to worship God. I want to thank so much our worship leaders for leading us in our hearts and our minds in worship. Amen. It is great to be at church today. I want to make sure uh, before we begin our lesson that you do pay attention to the newsletters that were handed out today so you can look through a lot of things happening in January and different workshops and banquets and stuff. You want to make sure we get all the information. One announcement that's not in there that I wanted to just kind of put a plug in for the team ministry in particular is uh, in February on, our, on President's Day weekend, we're having a Southwest Church's Teen Ministry Winter Camp. And this is for all the teens throughout... Uh, Las Vegas, Phoenix, San Diego, Los Angeles, all around. They're going to come together for a three-day weekend up in uh, Big Bear. we got a great campsite and uh, want to make sure the parents of teens know about that winter camp. And it's, the information is on our website. Please go and register your teen as soon as possible because the price goes up after January 2nd. So I just wanted to put that out there. We have a special treat today. Um, I'm actually not going to be doing so much of the preaching. Actually, Will Garcia is going to come preach the word. And uh, I'm really excited about this because um, uh, Will's going to come and preach, and then I'm going to come up after him and share a few thoughts to lead, our, uh, lead us towards communion. And uh, But it's exciting. Will uh, Garcia and Addie Garcia, uh, for those of you who don't know, who are visiting with us, uh, my, uh, my wife Marina and I lead the youth ministry here, and we have incredible uh, group of teen leaders, uh, volunteers, adults that serve and spend their time with our teens to mentor and be heroes to them. And Will and Addie uh, are a couple that have been doing this. Will's been doing this for the past five years, and Addie has been a disciple now for three and a half years um, and has been serving the past year or two in the team ministry. And uh, they're going to be moving at the beginning of January to serve and lead the team ministry full-time in the church in Dallas, Texas. And that's really exciting. Uh, you know, Will was converted as a teen here. Uh, he went to El Segundo High School, went to Pepperdine University, was in the uh, campus ministry there, graduated, uh, came in the teen ministry to serve as a teen worker, especially uh, down here in the, in the formerly coastal uh, uh, sector, and um, has done an incredible job impacting many young men. And now God is calling him uh, and his wife to give up their, everything they know is L.A., and their friendships, their family, to go and serve a teen ministry in Dallas that has not had leadership in the past few years. And in one of the regions they're going to be serving, there's 70 teens, 30 of them are disciples, and they have not had any sort of organized leadership for them uh, in, in, in several years. So it's exciting that L.A., here in South Bay Church, we're able to send off a couple to go serve in this great way. Now, it's bittersweet for me, uh, for Marina, because they're two of our best friends, and um, we've been able to work closely with Will and Addie. And I wanted to just read a, a scripture here to just describe a little bit more uh, personally. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, uh, Paul writes about Timothy, and he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone, le everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. And, um, you know, Paul here is talking about Timothy, and sending Timothy, and he's got, he says, I have no one else like him. And uh, he's proved himself, 
And you know, I'm not, I'm not old enough to be Will's dad or anything like that, but, um, I'm definitely grateful for his brotherhood, his partnership in the ministry here. And it's been incredible to see, uh, how God has raised him up in the past few years. And I'm really proud of him. He's definitely, uh, been a partner. He's been a Timothy to me. And, um, I'm so excited to see what God will do through them as they go to Dallas. So we're going to say a prayer together. And Will's going to come up and share some, uh, some scriptures with us. If we can be actually turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be studying out verses 1 through 3. And um, it's going to be a good time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much for bringing us together as a family to be able to worship you, to praise you, to bring honor to you, to glorify you. Thank you so much for the voices of the children. Father, the future generations of this church, God. And so thankful, so excited about this time of the year to be able to reflect, to remember, to remind ourselves who we are in you and uh, who you call us to be. Father, help us in our hearts to be open to your word today. Help us be humble to open our eyes, open our minds, to understand your word even more, that we can apply the scriptures to our lives and leave here making decisions to be different for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will Garcia. All right, let's see if I can get this. Oh, there you go. Not too bad. It's good to be with you here this afternoon. Uh, it truly is a privilege in honor, I thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity, really, to uh, share God's Word with you. You know, I appreciate uh, the brothers in my life who, uh, once they found out that I was doing the lesson today, they uh, gave me a little bit of encouragement. You know, one of them said, oh, Will, you'll do fine, don't worry, uh, just, just don't tell any of your jokes, though. And, uh, you know, I actually didn't get that at first. You know, I was like, wait, what do you mean? But then I thought about it, then I got it. And, uh, you know, another brother said, hey, you know, he made it clear to me that he's been around for some time and he's used to some high caliber preaching. And, uh, you know, I thought, what do I say to that? You know, I mean, how do I respond to that comment? I said, you know, in my mind, today you'll get Will Garcia, but more importantly, you'll get God's holy inspired word. And hopefully that'll do. Amen. I'm very excited. We have much to say. So uh, let's get to it. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame and set down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The analogy brought forward here in this passage between a foot race, such as those seen in the great Olympic days of the past and of the present, and the Christian race of life. You know, the word for race in Greek, and bear with me, is agona, from which we get the word agony. The Christian race of life is an agonizing, grueling course, and yes, it requires endurance if one 
is to win this race. But Will, we're talking about joy now. You're talking about agony, grueling stuff. When are you going to get to the joy part? And, and, and we will. I promise we'll get to the joy part because I, I definitely want to hit home here that it's crucial for us to think and reflect on our trials, our suffering, with every passing mile of our Christian race. And I'll tell you why. You know, in 2004, during my junior year at Pepperdine, I decided to take up running because I wanted to shed, you know, a few pounds, a few LBs there. And let's just say I was holding on to the freshman 15 just a little too long. And so I took on running. But before even considering running such a daunting race as the marathon, I knew I needed discipline in order to go into strict training. I mean, that meant going to sleep earlier. That meant waking up earlier eating the right kinds of foods, and eating enough of them as well. And, of course, hitting the school track, streets, uh, running paths, to just run, run, and run. You know, pretty much everything I was not doing my junior year in college. It was all new to me. There was nothing easy about the training, and I owe so much credit to my running group who encouraged me, spurred me on, and kept me accountable when at times there was nothing more I wanted to do and to hit that sweet snooze button over and over again. Verse 1 in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, my Christian race began at the age of 15. When the Word of God was brought to life by men in my life who truly loved God and loved teaching others about Him. They loved teaching me how to deny myself and pick up my cross daily. And I, I'm so grateful for them. These men were just the start of the great crowd of witnesses that God would place in my life. You know, year after year, uh, conference after conference, retreat after retreat, we would network, we would meet brothers and sisters, both domestically and internationally. I mean, do you guys remember those K&N videos? You remember, you know, when, when a son and an Anthony, you know, would say at the last, you know, right at the end of the video, the best news you'll ever hear. I mean, wasn't that like some of the best news you'll ever hear? I mean, remember, I remember that so much. It's so near and dear to my heart. These great cloud of witnesses have taught me so much. What a joy to have people involved in the nurturing and development of my Christian faith. As runners of this Christian race, it's important for us to stay light on our feet, to throw off every weight, the unspiritual thoughts and actions that rob us of great joy or that steal the fuel of perseverance, which we so desperately need if we're going to be successful in our Christian race. And throwing off sin from our shoulders and taking upon Jesus and what he offers, which is his yoke that is easy and his burden that is light. Matthew 11, verse 30. You know, God knows that that those things rob us of experiencing in our lives the same joy that Jesus had. You know, because when we get weighted down by the world and when we get tangled up, something happens. You know, convictions to change the world, downgrade to commitments to pay the bills. Rather than make a difference, we make a salary. Rather than look forward, we look back. Rather than looking outward, we look inward. And we don't like what we see. 
We try living by faith, uh, by sight, and not by faith, and it was so disappointing. It was so unfulfilling. The scriptures call us to live by faith and not by sight. Because the little joy of living by sight cannot compare to the joy of living with faith that pleases God. Got a slide here of uh, 2004 Will, right before the marathon. Looks pretty confident, really ready to go and do some work on that marathon. You know, it was marathon day in Los Angeles, and I hit the ground running. I was full of energy, full of carbs from the night before, and yes, even a little bit of chocolate milk was in my system as well. I was keeping the pace with every passing mile that I decided to even go ahead of my running group, a decision I would later regret. <laughs> to be honest, I really don't remember the, the, the first 19 miles of the marathon. I mean, they went by like that. But I'll never forget mile 20. I definitely won't forget mile 20. For it was then that I simply hit the wall. I mean, in case you're wondering, I didn't hit a physical wall. I wasn't running that aimlessly. But it's called the runner's wall, and my body just shut down on me. I had no more energy left, and so my, my right hamstring just decided to cramp up on me. And, it, you know, if you felt a cramp before, it's not pleasant. I mean, the cramp is just, uh, it's just pulsating at you. You're just feeling it. I remember just feeling the hamstring. It was so tight that I didn't know what to do, but I saw a patch of grass, and, and like Frazier, down, down I went. It was so disheartening. Man, so discouraging. All that training, all that sacrifice gone to waste because I tried running on it and, you know, it would just cramp up again. And so there was no way I was going to hit my set time. If I was going to finish this race, I knew I had to walk now the last 6.2 miles of this marathon. Verse 2 of Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before Him, endure the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice the name used in verse 2. The author writes, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He could have put Christ... He could have put Lord, he could have put another one of his names, but I believe the author is calling our attention to God's attitudes and actions as he humbled himself and became flesh. He came down to dwell among us. He specifically had you and I in mind. He suffered and was tempted in every way as you, as you and I are. He sees, he knows, he understands us, and so he's sympathetic to our human condition. By dying for us, he eternally interceded on our behalf so that we could obtain the spiritual prize. And what a wonderful contrast this is of our king, who now reigns above the great cloud of witnesses, to the Roman kings, the Roman emperors of the time, who dispensed life and death and had little, you know, just total indifference to the human uh, emotion and feelings of the participants involved in the games. That's not our king. Thank goodness that's not our king. What a great joy that should bring us to know that Jesus is on our side. 
that he died for us. He beholds our trials and is sympathetic with our condition and his holy desires for our spiritual success. It is this Jesus whom we could identify. Yet have you noticed that at times there's only so much preparation we can do before the spiritual cramps come to attempt to rob us of our joy? We may have suffered discouragements of all kinds this year. Physical illness, setbacks on our finances, unemployment, dreams being deferred, loved ones quit running their Christian race, death of a loved one, prayers not being answered exactly the way you wanted them to be. Well, how do we deal with this discouragement? Do we let it overcome us and rob our joy? Who's to blame? Is God? Is anyone? You know, growing up in the church from the age of 15, I had been running the race with such great excitement, doing things God's way. You know, when I became a Christian, uh, I had to repent of my schoolwork. I had to become a great student. I had to learn what that means to be excellent. And God blessed my repentance, graduated high school, was able to go off to college and be the first in my family to graduate from college. You know, I got to learn how to date purely how to love and give my heart to someone. And in that dating relationship, you know, things, things didn't work out. I had my heart broken, and I hit a spiritual wall. And for the first time, I felt punked by God. I mean, that's how I felt. I just felt punked. I felt like He let me down. Man, I started questioning, I mean, why would He do this to me? Why would He allow this to happen if I had been doing things His way? I'm so grateful for the great cloud of witnesses in my life who helped me to fix my eyes on Jesus. It was their patience, their involvement that helped me to remain steady and to remember God's prosperous plans for my life. Even though we didn't know that a ray of sunshine by the name of Addie would enter my life, they helped me to believe that God had something great in store for me. You know, as we end this year, it's good to reflect on those past walls and what we needed to do to overcome them. How about the spiritual walls that will to come in 2011? Will we still fix our eyes on Jesus? Because we can count on them coming. Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9 reads, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Man, I'm so glad that God doesn't ask for my advice when it comes to the subject. Whether it be grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, pain and suffering, I mean, if I had it my way, there would be no more trials. There would be no pain and suffering. But you see, that's just me wanting to bring heaven here on earth when God wants us to take earth up into heaven. Amen? I heard it said that if we endure this Christian race to the very end, then this will be the only hell we will experience. But if we become too much like this world, if we love this world a little too much, then this will be the only heaven we will experience. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before Him. 
the joy of reversing at last the tragic defeat of humanity in the Garden of Eden. The joy of knowing that, man, Satan's purpose of destroying man would be foiled. The joy of the saved entering his sanctuary to the applause of heaven. God cheers for us as he has called us home with his word and the path paved with his blood and he longs for our survival. That is our God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is how we too will endure this Christian race. After being on the ground for about 30 to 40 minutes of wrestling with all these negative thoughts, the Spirit within me interceded and gave me perspective. Amen. I had forgotten that just six months before this marathon day, I had been huffing and puffing at a three-mile run thinking, man, a marathon, that is out of the question. There's no way I'm going to be able to do one of those. Six months prior, I lacked the discipline and the training it required. And before the training even began, I was only a spectator and not a participant. I just wanted to finish what I had started. That's all I was thinking about because trust me, man, when you're walking 6.2 miles, you have a lot of time to just think. And I remember those miles more than all the others. And as I approached the final stretch there of the marathon, and I saw the crowds of people cheering people on. I mean, I'm sure no one in that crowd knew me personally, but it really did feel, it really did feel like those people were cheering for me. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. But as I was going, man, with the little strength that I had and, and, and the, some of those minor cramps reoccurring again and again, I managed to muster up the strength and just run across the finish line. I mean, it was, it was kind of like if you had the, the, the Chariots of Fire theme song behind you, just... I was just so excited, I crossed the finish line. I think I got a picture up here. That's me after the marathon, tired, but nevertheless full of joy and spirit in my heart. Though maybe my outward appearance does not show that. In verse 3 of Hebrews 12. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. To consider him is not something done casually or nonchalantly. Sustain and focal attention given to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who yearns to be both Lord and Savior of our lives. Because God's joy is a peace which circumstances cannot steal. So consider him. Consider him and consider who we are without him. His was a joy that refused to bend in the face of hard times. A joy that held its ground against pain. A joy whose, whose roots were dug deep into the bedrock of eternity. Jesus had eternity in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. 
I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There is a crown that will not perish or rust waiting for us at the finish line. The Christian life is a race that begins with faith, perseveres through faith, faith, and is perfected by faith. You know, and I share this story that happened years ago, not to live in, in these early glory days, but because there's a power in remembering our past victories, that they can fuel fresh faith within us for the next mile that is to come. As Jesus endured, it sheds light on the pain and suffering when at times we choose to isolate ourselves into a spiritual wilderness, when we spiritually check out for a few days, or even follow Jesus at a distance in response to our pain and suffering, and we simply can't find his joy during those moments. Consider Jesus, whose joy of obeying and carrying out the Father's will and reconciling lost sinners to God carried him to that finish line. You know, Addie and I are so happy to embark on this new journey as we go to serve the team ministry there in Dallas, Texas. We take great joy in knowing that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So many people that have loved us and have believed in us. To the teens that I love so much, I want to continue to encourage you guys to run the Christian race with perseverance. There's going to be times where you're going to feel those spiritual cramps. There's going to be times where you're distracted by what's going on in the world. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let Him take you to that finish line. I look forward to building up God's kingdom with you as we unite team ministries and hear and share the good news as God would want us to. Know that you are very loved and know that it's been such a privilege, such a pleasure Man, to live a transparent life before you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. To grow up with you guys and see you mature in your Christian faith. And even to those who have yet to come to that decision, know that it's, it's okay. I think what's not okay is to give up on the curiosity and the important question of why. Why does God love me so much? Why do people care about me so much? Don't give up asking and seeking God. To the parents, thank you so much for adopting us. Thank you so much for adding us to your families. We love you very much. Thank you for all your patience and helping me to mature and grow up as a man of God. I want you to know as well that with every Devo, with every family time you have, with every time that you let your kids see you wrestle and work out your salvation with fear and trembling know that it's worth it it's so worth it for the younger generation to see that to see you work that out don't believe satan's lies about your parenting or even about sometimes the decisions that are, your kids make Trust in God. Fix your eyes on Jesus so that we don't lose heart and we don't grow weary. So let us run this race with perseverance, knowing that the finish line is why we endure. 
Fixing our eyes on Jesus is how we endure. Jesus endured and conquered death to bring us life. He would rather die than to live without us. This was the joy that set before him. Amen. I hope our hearts, our minds are inspired to continue running the race that God's given us. Amen. I really appreciate what Will shared. This race that we're on, all that matters is that we finish. And it doesn't matter how we finish, we just got to finish it. We got to, whether it be we're limping, whether it be we're running through, whether it be somebody's carrying us, whether it be we're crawling, we got to get to the end. Amen. You know, I've, I, uh, I realize we're in the holiday season, and I think the holiday is such a great time. The end of the year is such a great time to be able to just take some time to reflect, to remember. And I think Mark uh, Shump talked about this last week, about just pondering. Not, and I'm looking forward to just taking some time, get, you know, a little early, early morning coffee, a little late night hot chocolate with marshmallows or something, I don't know. Just kind of sitting back and just thinking a little bit, examining, how did this year go? What were the spiritual walls in my life? What were the, the victories in my life? What were the defeats that I felt in my life? How did I overcome? What, what am I going to continue? Am I going to continue fixing my eyes on Jesus? I want to focus our, our thoughts here on Hebrews chapter 10. As we read about Jesus and, and focus our, our thoughts on the cross as we take communion. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the writer in Hebrews 9 uh, and 10 talks about the cross of Christ and Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, uh, talking to the, to the Jewish population and saying that this, because of Jesus, we can enter the most holy of holy places. And, and at that time, in the temple of Jerusalem, uh, the only person that could enter was the, was the high priest. And that was once a year. And then he's saying, so what he's saying is kind of radical here. He's saying, because of Jesus, anybody now can enter and have a direct relationship with God, the most holy of holies. And, and in verse 19, I love this passage, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and leaving our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The writer here is saying that because of Jesus, we can enter the most holy place. We can go to God and have a direct relationship with him without a guilty conscience. There's no guilt. There's no, there's no fear, but pure, full confidence to come before God because of the cross. I love this passage. I love thinking about that. Like, 
I, I can tend to be fearful. I can tend to be guilty and to, and to, to, to condemn myself. And yet, because of the cross, because of Christ, I can enter the most holy place. You know, in verse 32, he continues and he says, Remember those earlier days after you received the light. When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But of those who believe and are saved. Amen. I want to encourage us. To take time during this holiday week, to take time even as we take communion today, to think about, to remember, to reflect upon what we have and who we are in Christ. I've had to read this passage to myself many times, even just this year. You know, God has blessed our teen ministry in a great way this year. We've seen many, many souls saved, more souls saved this year than than in previous years, which has been so exciting. But with every victory, there's always some defeat. And, you know, it's, it's exciting to see souls saved, but then it's, it's challenging to my faith. I don't know about you, but I, it, to see people not respond. Or to see somebody turn their, back upon, turn their back on their decision. And you see, after you've given yourself, and you've given your heart, you've given so much. And that person does not react, not respond. And then you begin to ask yourself, I begin to ask myself, is it worth it? Do I continue sharing? Do I continue preaching? Do I continue studying? Do I continue praying? I mean, is it really worth it? Are people really going to listen? You start doubting. But then I go to this passage. And I remember those earlier days. It is so worth it. I remember being excited about my Christianity. And it gets me excited now, 16 years later, still excited to be a disciple. You know, I think about my first role in the church as an usher and just being so excited to dress up for church and pass the trays. It was a privilege, an excitement, a a great desire of mine to just serve. And I remember the singers at that time would sit on the stage. And so my moment on stage was to pass the tray on stage to the singers and to walk across the stage and to kind of wave at people like, look at me, I'm serving the church. Just excited. I remember my first friend that I studied the Bible with. I don't know what we read, I don't know what we did, but I remember, I didn't know what I was doing, but I remember just reading the Bible and excited to share this new life. And I had grown up in the church, so it's not like this was, you know, all new to me. I knew what was up. But I just remember in that time, just the soft-heartedness. 
And I think in our race, we can lose that. We get cramped up, then we got too many cramps, and then we just stop running. We need to remember our earlier days. We need to remember what Christ has done. We need to remember and draw near to God with a sincere faith, with full confidence. So I want to challenge us. I want to encourage us to take some time this week to reflect, to consider the race that you're running. Is it with faith? Is it with perseverance? Will you hang on? Will you depend on God? Will you depend on yourself? Will you depend on others? Who are you depending on? Who are you looking to? Are we fixing our eyes on Jesus or on all the distractions around us? And as we look forward to 2011, I want to encourage us to have vision, to dream big, to think of things, man, that, to pray prayers that we've never prayed before. And then 2012 comes and do the same. And 2013, and year after year, we run this race every mile with perseverance. To those of us who are studying the Bible or visiting today, I want to encourage you to think about your race. What, what kind of race are you running? Is it with God or without God? Do you even know? Ask the questions. Figure out in 2011, am I going to run with God? Am I going to run towards God or am I going to run away from Him? I want to encourage us as we take the bread, as we take the cup to reflect, to remember. And to really practically just take some time this week to think about these things. To think about what we have in Christ, who we are in Christ, and to remember, to remember those earlier days when we had first received the light. And let that, like Will was saying, fuel our faith for these next year. Amen? Let's pray together as we take the bread and the cup. God, we come before you humble because we don't deserve what you've given us. Humble because we know that your love is unconditional, is not dependent on our behavior. And God, we thank you so much for not treating us as our sins deserve, but for giving up of yourself through Christ that we could now have a direct relationship with you, with no guilty conscience, washed, purified, sprinkled by, your, by the blood of Christ, and added to the body of Christ. God, thank you so much for the bread that we're going to take that represents his body. And I pray that as we take the bread, we could remember the many conversations, the many relationships, the many people that have helped us to get to where we're at in our faith as we remember the body of Christ. God, as we take the cup, I pray that we can remember the many sins that we've been forgiven of and the many sins that we will be continually forgiven of. Thank you so much for your love, for your mercy. And I pray that we would be men and women that will not shrink back, but will believe and continue to walk in your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.